You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Um, man, it's been a great weekend and a lot of amazing things uh, are happening in the midst of, of our church family. And so I'm excited about what God's doing in our marriages we're in a series entitled More Than Numbers. And so the, the, the idea that we started with uh, last Sunday is, is what I really want you to begin to understand is that uh, when it comes to money, when it comes to our finances, it's way more than numbers. It's way more than a, a financial strategy, spreadsheets, and you know, Excel files, and budgets, and uh, addition, subtraction, and forecasting. It's way more than that. Essentially, when it comes to our money, it's, it's, it's more the numbers. And so that's what I, I hope really begins to become planted into your mind. Uh, Jesus even talks about how it's not about what we give. It's not about the number or the amount that we give. It really is about our heart. And so this is, this is really the theme for this week. It's not about managing numbers. It's about managing your heart. God is not after my money. He's not after your money. Uh, our church is not after anybody's money. What God is after is my heart. What God is after uh, in, in, in your life is, is, in fact, your heart. And so we, we want to come to this place in this series where we can realize that, okay, as Americans, one of the things that we struggle with is, is like when, when, when we have this idea that we're, we're always trying to get bigger and nicer things. And so we uh, have an increase in our income, and so let's get a, a bigger house. And, and uh, when we get, you know, a, a promotion, let's trade in, you know, this car to get a newer car. And when our kids want something, then it's immediately, okay, let's get this for them, and let's get them the best and bigger, and, 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 and on and on and on it goes. And so essentially what we start living as, uh, we live as, as, this, as this person who, who then believes that as our income goes up, our quality of life must automatically go up as well. And the tension is, as Christians, like we say we love Jesus, we, we, we worship God, but if we were honest, we really are terrible at handling money. We really either don't know how to do it, or we just want to blatantly live in sin against God when it comes to our, in, our, our, our income, um, and the reality is money is a big part of our life. Um, it's, it's something that we all need. And, and uh, no matter if you have a lot of it or not enough of it, uh, it's a big part of our life. And so when we come to the issue, what we really need to honestly ask is, God, how do you expect me to use money? I mean, as a follower of Jesus, this is a question I think we have to ask ourselves. We have to wrestle with this. We want to understand how God, in fact, expects me, and I use that word intentionally, because there is an expectation that God has in our life. And so last week, we kind of closed with this prayer, and our prayer was, God, give us an eternal mindset. Because if I'm not thinking about eternity, if I'm not thinking about the life to come, then all I have in, in this uh, world is going to be spent on me. Uh, but if I'm thinking in light of eternity, then I, I, I allow the Holy Spirit to change me and get my thoughts on, on the kingdom and, and, he, and, and the home that is to come. And then we prayed that God would give us a sense of urgency. And through this series, let's continue to pray this. God, give me a sense of urgency when it comes to doing the right thing with my money because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. 
You don't know how long you're going to be here. We get one crack at this. We get one shot at this. And the people that are around you in, in, at work, your family, your sphere of influence, are only going to be in that sphere of influence with you for a season. And so we've got to have a sense of urgency to impact them with the gospel. We want to, we want to act on what God has done and is doing uh, in our life. And, and then we close with, we're going to make a sacrifice this week. Uh, we're going to make a sacrifice. And so we tried to help you. We gave out many of these cards, and it just simply says, God loves you. And they're all over the, the, the church today. If you want to pick up some, you weren't here last week. Essentially, the idea is an act of kindness and a generous act of kindness. And so pay for somebody's meal, ask the waitress to give this card to this person. Uh, if you're in line at, 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 a, at a, a coffee shop or, or any kind of drive through pay for somebody's meal or coffee behind you, give this to the person at the window, ask them to give this to them. Send someone an encouraging note, drop this in there. Don't even have to put your name. Because the idea is generosity gets people's attention. And so for us, we want to we allow that generosity to get someone's attention. And when, when that attention is, is, is spurred, boom, we want to get their focus and mind on a God that loves them. Because that's why we would be generous. We would be generous simply because God has been generous to us. And we want to be generous to others. So we're going to start today in Matthew chapter 6 to a familiar passage, I'm sure, but it's a passage that I think we have to continue to go to. If we're talking about heart management, if we're talking about how are we going to manage our heart, then, then this is a foundational passage that we've got to go to. So in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, these are the words of Jesus. And he says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Foundational passage here. And the first thing that Jesus tells us is essentially this. Earthly wealth is never safe. <laughs> it's never safe, no matter what you're doing with it today or, or how sure that investment is. It's never safe. Uh, moth will, will destroy. Thieves can break in and steal. And Jesus' point is earthly wealth is never, ever going to be saved. Therefore, he says, don't store up. It's a command. Do not store up treasures here on earth. And he's trying to save you and I from something. He's trying to, he's trying to save us from the anxiety and the stress of mishandling our resources because anytime we do that, that brings a level of stress and anxiety into our life. When, when, when money is your God, then you always need more. And when I get a little bit more, I, I increase my living. So then I go right back to needing more. And that insatiable desire to have more is never, ever quenched. And so he says, do not store up here on earth because all earthly wealth will 
end. It will be useless one day. It's going to be useless on the day that you die. It will not matter how much you gave, how much you left, how much you saved, whatever you had financially. The day you die, it will be useless. Or the second opportunity that money will be useless is the day that Jesus returns. When he returns, it will be useless. So don't store up treasures on earth. It will be useless one day. He says, okay, if you are smart and faithful with the resources that God has given to you, if you are investing wisely, then you are investing into the kingdom of God. And so his point is that every dollar we invest into the kingdom of God is credited to our account in eternity. So do not store up treasures on earth. Here's the second point that I think he makes. Wherever your heart is going, your money is flowing. So wherever my heart is going, my money is going to flow. He says, wherever your heart is, that's where your money is going to be, right? And so the, the, the point is that where, wherever my heart is going, my heart goes first, and as my heart goes, then my money will flow wherever it's going. So if your heart is going towards a hobby, right? My, my heart is going towards playing golf or going to the lake. Guess what's going to happen? Money, my treasures are going to be invested into the lake, into golf, right? Some of you are thinking, ouch, wasn't ready for that one. Kind of stung. Let's talk about an easy example here. Your heart is for your kids if you're a parent, right? I, I, I know that it is. My heart is for my kids. And as my heart is for my kids, money flows really easily to my kids. I want to bless them financially. I want to give them uh, nice clothes. I want to give them food. I want to bless them. My daughter turns 16. I wanted to give her a, a, a car. I, I want to do this. It's easy for me to do this. Why? My heart is for my kids, Right? And so it's easy. Wherever my heart is going, my money is going to then follow. This is why our finances naturally teach us about our heart. And this is Jesus' point. This is why he's brilliant. Our money shows us what our treasure is. We just look at our financial statement, and all of a sudden, our heart is laid bare before us. So if you go home today, and I would encourage you to do this you're married, do this with your spouse, do it this week, do it today. If you're single, do it today, right? You go home and you look at the story of where your money is going. The story, the narrative of, of where your money is going is your bank account. It is your credit card statements, right? It's, it's the bills that are coming into the mailbox. This reveals the story. And the story that is being told, it's not fake news. Like, you can't blame anybody for it. You can't blame your boss. You can't blame, you know, your, your wife. You can't, you can't blame your small group leader. Like the narrative is true. It is a true story of where your resources and where my resources are going. So lay it out there. Let it tell you the story. And when that story is told, then you will know without a shadow of a doubt who it is that you are honoring with your wealth. Is it God or is God not on the paper? 
If he is not there, then it is clear that your heart is not controlled by your heavenly Father. It is clear the story tells the truth. So many of us, I talk to so many marriages, they never look at their finances together. One person controls the finances and the other person, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss, I guess. And so I don't know what's going on. I just know that when I buy stuff, it's there. And if we're in trouble, I kind of pull back. Other than that, I'm just, I'm just living, right? We, we don't actually think about it. So maybe the biggest challenge uh, and, and the most helpful thing you could do as a family, as a couple, is to actually look, where did our money go in January 2020? And start to see the story that's being told. Because your money will tell you where your heart is at today. This is what Jesus' point is. Your money is gonna tell you. Wherever it's flowing, it tells us this is where our heart has been going. People wanna create a story. People wanna say, oh no, I love Jesus. You look at the story, no, you love the lake. You love the lake, right? It tells the story and it reveals to us where our heart is at. Listen, the lake is a great place, but it makes a terrible God. And for all of us in the room, like, like we got to get onto the same page when it comes to the Jesus' statement. Maybe you've heard it before, and, 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 and you just kind of rush by it. But it's such a powerful, profound statement that if we don't take it seriously, we could live the rest of our lives filled with stress and anxiety about money, dishonoring in sin against our God. In verses 22 and 23, he makes this kind of weird statement, it's, Maybe it doesn't make sense to you. It's like the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about your perspective in life. And how you see life depends on the level of darkness that you're walking in. And so how do you perceive life? Um, it, it really depends on how much light is in your eyes. Here's an example. Um, if you are... If you grew up in the 60s and 70s, you, you remember Karen Carpenter. And uh, she was really famous. Uh, she was a singer. And, um, man, she was rich. She had all the money in the world, right? And uh, she had something called anorexia nervosa. And so the, the issue with her is that she would, she would look at herself in the mirror, and all of us would see her, and we would say, man, she is skin and bones, man. She is not healthy. But when she would look at herself in the mirror, she would see a fat person, and she would say, I'm overweight, I need to lose weight. And so essentially, with all the money in the world, her perception of herself, of what reality was, was, was dark. There was darkness in her eyes, and therefore what she saw was not reality, and she starved herself to death. And the reality is, how you perceive life today is determined by how much light is in your eye, how, how much light you are actually living in. And so what Jesus is teaching us here is that how you see money is important and, and, and how we use it is important. If you, if you see it in the wrong light, money is a destructive force in your life. And so we're praying, God, give us more money. And God's, and God's response is, I love you too much to give you a raise. It's, there's too much darkness in your eyes it would ruin your marriage. Your kids would be so spoiled, they'd walk away from the church. God says, I'm protecting you. And we're begging him and saying, why aren't you listening, God? Why aren't you, why aren't you responding? He was like, I, I love you too much. 
You see, money, if we're seeing it in the wrong light, it can own you. It can suck the life out of you. It can distort reality. Just like in someone who is skin and bones might see themselves as overweight, money has the ability and power to blind you, to blind you from the truth. It can blind you even, listen to this, it can blind you to how important it really is to you. You think it's not that important to me. You see, money has a certain amount of power that it can blind and distort your perception of it to where you don't even think it owns you. This is the foundation of addiction, right? It's, 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 it's lying to yourself. It's, it's denial. And, and, and this, this self-denial in our life is a powerful thing, but that's why Jesus makes this statement. It is so crystal clear because it takes away the potential for deceiving yourself, self-deception. It takes away that potential because all you have to do today is go home. You can pull it up on your phone in the car on the way home. Look at your credit cards. Look at your bank statement. If you do not see Foothills Church in the equation, then you know that you've been blinded by the power of money. It's that simple. It's really that easy. He continues to make his point. He says, next, if you're taking notes, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. It's impossible. You'll love one and hate the other or or vice versa. It's like you, you can't serve two things. You can't serve both God and money. You can't be blinded by the power of money. You can't love money and love God. He says this is, this is just a, a natural thing that cannot be done. It is impossible. And so the question then becomes an important question here. I think to help us answer this and to walk our way through this, we want to ask this question. Who do you think owns your money? Who do you think owns your money? Think about it. Some of you are maybe, maybe going to buck at this, but let me walk you through a couple of passages of Scripture. I told you last week we're just going to look at the Bible Let's just look at what the Word of God says. Let's see what it says, and let's apply it to our life. Genesis 1-1, let's go to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here we see that God is creator. Now, kind of what I feel when I talk to people about this is, is that sometimes the sense is, yes, in the beginning, God created everything. He spun the universe into existence, and then as, as, even as Christians, we sometimes think that now he's just done with creation. He already created, so it's done. But God is not done creating. He's created, he has created you. He has created your mind. He has created your lungs so that you can take your next breath. He's created your ability uh, to go to work. He's created a society that actually has a culture where the economy provides jobs. And he even created the concept of money in general so that we could use it to buy goods and, 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 and honor him with. And so God is the creator of everything that you have, everything that you are. He's creating the next breath. He's creating the next idea that you're going to have. He's creating uh, the, the, the next um, big business deal that you're going to experience. Like he is the creator and initiator of everything in your life today. We get that. He's, he's created your health, sustaining that health after his creation. And so let's start there. God is creator. But then secondly, Psalm 24 says, the earth 
is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the water. So therefore, God is the owner. He created everything and he owns everything. He, he, the earth belongs to him. Everything in the earth belongs to him. That means you belong to him. In fact, as a believer, Jesus says that you were bought and paid for. You don't even belong to yourself. Your body doesn't even belong to you. God owns it. So he owns everything in the world. That means he owns you. He owns your health. He owns your life. He owns your future. He owns your house, your cars, your bank account, your 401k. He owns everything. So he's creator. He is the owner. And as a result of this, we see verses like 1 Timothy 6, 7 that remind us, you brought nothing into the world. You're taking nothing out of the world. So not only does God own everything, I'm reminded by Scripture that I don't own anything. I'm not taking anything with me when I leave this world. This is a fundamental principle for living as a follower of Jesus. To recognize this idea of what we would call biblical stewardship, that God owns everything and that you and I are simply managers of everything that God has given to us. Our bodies, our time, and our wealth, we are managing this. Our families, our jobs, our relationships, we're managing everything that the creator and the owner has given to us during our life. Here's a good definition for stewardship. A steward is one who takes what belongs to another and distributes it, takes care of it, and oversees it. And so I'm a, I'm a steward. As a follower of Jesus, you are a, a steward of something that somebody else owns, belongs to God, and you're going to distribute it, you're going to take care of it, and you're going to oversee it while it's in your control, while it's in your you know, realm of influence, and that's what stewardship actually is. And so, so then we, we have to begin to start asking the question, okay, if this is the act of watching someone else's stuff that is God's, I'm not the owner, I'm just the manager, we have to take what we have been given and we have to look after it intentionally. If, if, if we, he really believes that he owns it, don't you think that we should be asking how in the world should we be using this money? If we really believe that he owns it and he created it, why aren't we asking this question more consistently? Um, it has implications throughout all of our life. So my daughter's 16, and um, one of the things that we've done with her, our, my oldest daughter's 16, so she started driving this year, and um, one of the things that we started to do, she, she plays basketball, so she doesn't have a lot of time to have a full-time job, but she babysits, and then we give her an allowance. And so the allowance and what she makes babysitting goes towards gas money, it goes towards uh, food if she wants to eat out somewhere, and it goes toward whatever fun you want to have. Um, outside of that, you know, if you need, you know, something, you know, particular, you need clothes or something like that, come ask us, but this is money, don't ask me for money, right? I am not an ATM, this is yours to manage, uh, steward, and, and use for, for all of those things. So, so if, if, if at the end of the month, you know, there's one more week, and she were to come to me, and she were to say, Dad, and she's beautiful, and if she got the sappy eyes and the big eyes, and she's like, Dad, I need gas money. 
I got to go to school because I need an education, right? If she's coming to me, right, and the eyes are sappy, my heart's already breaking, right? And, and so I'm like, oh, baby, I'm reaching for my wallet already. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute here. What about that whole allowance thing? And what about what we've been giving you? And she says, yeah, Dad, but I had to eat out, you know. We had to eat, and then we had this thing. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, well, let me, let me check something. And I pull out the bank app, and I go to the account. And I see on there, Monday night, Foothills Milling. Hmm. You all know what that is? I scroll on down. Ruth Chris Steakhouse. We got a problem. Now, every dad in the room, you're with me, right? You would say, Trent, this is the perfect opportunity for you to talk about biblical stewardship with your your daughter. Teach her a lesson here. You know, make her ride the bus. (laughs) Make her ride, even worse, make her ride in the minivan with mom. (laughs) Right? Let's do that. That'll teach her a lesson, right? So we're all, we're all on board when it has to do with somebody else. But when we look at the story of our own bank account and we see the expenses and we see what we're wasting money on, you know, just like a 16-year-old, but God, I mean, we deserve the vacation, right? We've been working hard and, you know, we just wanted to eat out, Right? I just wanted to have a good house for my kids so that they would, right? At the end of the day, God is creator, right? God is owner. But here's the question. Is he the controller? That's what you have to wrestle with. Is God, does God have control over your finances? You see, when you give your life to Jesus, you are saying, Jesus, you're in control. I am submitting my life to you. How I use my time is, is submitted to you. I'm going to follow your plan for how I would steward my time. The things that I'm good at, God, my skills, whatever, whatever talents I have, God, they're yours. You're in control of them. I'm going to use these skills to earn an income, but God, I want you to, to use my skills so that I can glorify you, so that I can build your kingdom while I'm here And yes, God, this is the money that you've given me to manage. And God, so I'm coming to you. You're in control of this. I'm not just going to go out and and, and buy things flippantly. I want to buy things and I want to ask the question, like, God, if I purchase this, does this honor you? Is this in the framework of me being a good biblical steward of what you have given to me? That's the question we need to wrestle with. It's not that God doesn't want us to enjoy money. You should. It's not that God doesn't want you to actually, you know, have fun in life. In fact, some of you are very wealthy. It's not, wealth is not a bad thing. Most of the Old Testament biblical characters that we look up to were extremely wealthy. It's not that God doesn't want you to enjoy it. He just doesn't want you to be owned by it. And he wants you to manage it and use it not just to care for yourself and to enjoy it. He wants you to use it for the kingdom of God. It's not an either or. This is why our heart is the issue. It's not about numbers. God is not after um, your money. He is after your heart. Um, So we think about this, okay? 
What about all the unreached people in this city? People who have never heard the gospel that are in this city, that live in Knoxville. What about all the people all over the world who have never heard about Jesus? You know, it takes money to actually develop and grow a certain kind of church that attracts and impacts young people. Have you not realized that yet? I mean, most of you are here because of that fact. That takes resources to develop. It takes resources to um, uh, minister to young people. It takes resources to see those young people, you know, uh, discipled, and then we see them called into full-time ministry. It takes resources to train them in gospel ministry. It takes resources to send them and to plant churches and then to sustain them. You may not be called to go, but each of us are called to give. Why do so many Christians act as if God's financial blessing in their life has been given to them so that they can go from a Toyota to a Mercedes. God prospers you so that 17,000 unreached people groups all over the world can hear the gospel. He prospers you so that 12% of the world wouldn't starve. He prospers you so that right here in our city, We can reach people with the gospel and we can plant churches in Knoxville and we can have campuses and we can see the kingdom of God built right here before our eyes. When are we going to see this? I love Tim Keller's statement. He once said, money flows effortlessly to that which is its God. (laughs) In other words, money is effortlessly given, right? It's not hard to give. It's not painful to give. It's effortless. It's like, oh yeah, money goes right to the thing that is my God. And so if you can't effortlessly give to God, there's a heart issue. There just is. You you can get mad at me today. You, you, You can wrestle with the Lord on this. But at the end of the day, if Jesus' words are true, there's a hard issue if you can't effortlessly give to God. If giving to the church is a problem for you, it reveals a hard issue. Now listen, if you don't trust Foothills Church, if you don't trust Trent Stewart, then by all means, go to another church and give to that ministry that feeds you, disciples you, cares for you, cares for your children, develops teenagers, draws new people into the church so that they can hear the gospel. Go and give to them. But as a pastor that loves you, don't steal and mismanage the resources that God has given to you because it is breaking the heart of God, and it's a lid on your leadership. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20, um, I'll read it quickly here. He, he gives us a story about a man who had so much stuff, he didn't actually know what to do with it. Have you ever heard this story? This is a great story. It says this, Jesus tells a parable. He told him this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops, right? Um, He doesn't know what to do with them. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear, tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, 
you're a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is a a story about a man who was wealthy. It's a story about a man that had so much stuff, he didn't know what to do with it. In his culture, he would have been viewed as rich because uh, he had so much stuff. But, But the Lord calls him a fool. And the reason why he's a fool is not because he's wealthy. The reason he's a fool is because he left God out of the financial plan. He's not storing up treasures in heaven. So his sin is not that he became wealthy. His sin was that he didn't worship God with his wealth. And so this man is only thinking about himself. He's only thinking about his own pleasure. Let's eat, drink, and be merry, and let's take life easy, right? That is almost the American dream in one statement. That's what so many Americans are after. Let's retire, eat, drink, and be merry, and essentially not care about anybody else but ourselves, but But we come to this reality and we think, oh man, yeah, it would be nice to be rich. It would be nice to be wealthy like this guy and have to build so much stuff. And and then we have to hit the brakes and say, wait a minute, two-thirds of the world would say, you're rich, I'm rich, right? I mean, in America, how how many of you actually threw away food this week? (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand, but many of us, we, we had leftovers. We had to throw them away or we gave them to the dog, right? Because we had so much uh, food, we, we gave it away. And then there's another group that didn't have any leftovers because they overate, right? And, and you go to any other country, I've been all over the world, every other country that sees someone who is overweight, they automatically assume that's a wealthy person. We don't like to talk about it in America, how obesity is a sin, but, 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 but at the end of the day, overweightness is a sign that we have too much. How many of us got into a car and drove to a job? Well, many of us, probably probably all of us, you know, that, that decided to have a job. If you want a job, you can get a job in America. That's not true everywhere else. That's not true. How many of us uh, walked into a room that's dedicated just for our clothes? <laughs> it's called a closet. It's dedicated just for our clothes. Or we walked into a room that's dedicated for our car, right? If you're able to do that, there are places in America that would consider you wealthy and rich. There are places all over the world that would consider you wealthy and rich. The world would consider us wealthy. God considers you wealthy if you have more than you need. I say that and you think, well, I actually, uh, I need more. <laughs> I need more. But do you really need more? Or is it that you've used everything that you have inappropriately and therefore you've overspent? Jesus is teaching against those who would think everything that you get is all for your consumption. Right? So this, this is the last thing I want to say. All you have, it's not all for you. All you have is not all for you. And if you're living that way, you're living in sin. And you're dishonoring the wealth that God has given you. You're dishonoring the God that died on the cross for your sins. And listen, you give to foothills, I don't get a raise. We're not buying airplanes. That's not how it works. This is not how it works, right? Like I said, you don't want to give here? Go to another church and give there. God's after your heart. I'll never forget when I was a kid, 
my dad um, decided that he wanted a cow. <laughs> and uh, we had like four acres, and he decided to build a fence. And, um, and he, he, he got me and my brother out there, and, and uh, it, was a, it was a hot summer day. And I remember loving this day. And I was out there, and shirt off, his shirt was off, my brother's shirt was off, and we were building a fence. Man, it was, it was man day, right? And um, there's a, uh, my mom took a picture that day. That's why it was fresh in my memory, because I always see that picture. And, and uh, man, it, you know, I held the post, and dad let me hammer some nails in, you know, and it, it was good. And, and uh, I think about that story, and, you know, we finished that, that, that whole fence. It, it took longer than a day, but I was only out there for a day. Um, I think back on that, and, and, you know, dad didn't need me out there, right? He didn't need me out there. Uh, he actually wanted me out there so that I could uh, uh, enjoy some time with him. He didn't force me to come out there. He didn't make me. He just invited me to come. And he wanted us to be together. He wanted me to work hard because when you work hard and you're a part of something that's bigger, then you step back and you, you, you feel a sense of accomplishment. You feel like you do belong. You feel like, man, this, this, is, this is where I'm kind of using my gifts and my talents and and that's part of what it does, too. It's like, I didn't think I could hammer a nail. I didn't think I could do that. But now I'm doing it, and it feels pretty good, you know? God's, God's kind of using that to help develop me. And, man, I, I think about that, and it's like, you know what? Our Heavenly Father invites you to join him in building his kingdom. The invitation is given. He's not going to force you, right? But he's going to lead you. He's going he's to guide you to surrender all you have to him. And when you do, you're gonna be able to work with him and you're gonna be able to use your skills to help and you're gonna be a part of something bigger than yourself and you're gonna learn about who he is and you're gonna learn to love him. You're gonna learn to enjoy being in his presence. You're gonna enjoy using your gifts for a bigger picture. All you have is not all for you. We've got to get to the point in our life where we get a handle on this because it's not going to ever get easier. It's not going to get easier when you get the next job. It's not going to get easier when, when you get this thing taken care of. You've got to act now and respond today. Here's a recap. God is creator. God is owner. But is he the controller of your resources? Have you surrendered that to God? Have you said, God... All I have, I surrender to you. God, I surrender my finances to you. I want to use it to glorify you. That's my challenge. That's my encouragement for you today. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to begin to get really practical on what this looks like and, and how you can do this and get, get in a better position uh, than you've ever been before God and even financially. And in two weeks, we're going to, I'm going to really give you a challenge. I'm going to give you what we're calling a 90-day challenge. They say that it takes 90 days to build something as a habit. So for 90 days, I'm going to challenge you in two weeks to make a commitment to start giving a percentage to God. And for 90 days, you're going to give it. And if at the end of that 90 days, you're like, you know what? I couldn't pay this, and I got behind here, and I need that money back, Trent. Then I'll give it all back to you. But I guarantee if you'll make that commitment and you'll be faithful to God, that all those needs will be taken care of and God will start doing miracles. He's a way maker. And, and, and he will um, provide everything that you're ever going to need.
I want you guys to watch this story today, and uh, I pray it's an encouragement, and then we're going to close together with worship. Guys, let's go ahead and run that. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.